in us this morning. We pray that you would pour your spirit out into our neighborhoods and our communities where we live. Would you rain down your Holy Spirit? We know that the work of your Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So pour out your Spirit. Pour out the fruit of your Spirit among us, in our families, in our extended families, and among our friends and our co-workers and, and in our classmates and the places where we play and where we go to school and work. Pour out your spirit. And as we come to your scriptures this morning, we pray that, Holy Spirit, that you will illuminate the truth that you have for us. These scriptures that have been written so long ago and preserved over the centuries. A love letter written from you to us. We pray in your matchless, wonderful, beautiful name. Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Sarah, the music team for continuing to lead us, tech team. We appreciate you all so much. We're grateful for you. Uh, we, it seems like we are learning a lot of new terms uh, these last number of years. Um, I don't know if you've heard the term quiet quitting. Quiet quitting, when um, you don't like what's going on at work, and uh, it brings passive-aggressive behavior to a whole new level. You don't like what's going on at work, so you decide that you're just going to do the bare minimum. You, you're not going to quit, but you're kind of quitting, and you're just going to just get by, because you don't like what's going on. Um, probably more popular is, um, they, they've actually called it a culture, um, cancel culture, right? You disagree with somebody, boosh, hit the delete button. Or uh, you unfollow. Ugh. You decide to have nothing to do with them anymore. I, I hear my, my daughters, my adult daughters, and they will talk in the plural. Yeah, we canceled that. Or we canceled so-and-so or whatever, right? Uh, because we disagree, we don't like. It seems like in the last, well, I don't know, how long have we had the smartphone? It seems like since 2007, 2010, in the last decade, we've had an increasing difficulty with dialogue. If we disagree, well, that's it. And so we live in this sense of this sort of looming threat that is around us all the time. Uh, we are finishing our sermon series entitled Body Language um, this morning in this section of Acts. The Acts is a, a big book, and so we're going to pick it up again sometime, but for now we're going to finish this morning in this sermon series. Last week um, we talked about what God's expectation and hope was for His students, His followers, and that is that we would speak, and particularly that we, when we speak up, that we would describe the way the world is, and we would use these three words, Jesus is Lord, and we would say those words. Jesus is Lord, and He is going to 
He's already working ahead of you in your life. So give him your worries and your anxiety because Jesus is Lord and so on. But in order for us to actually do that, what is it that followers of Jesus need in order for us to be able to say words out loud and particularly to say Jesus is Lord? What do we need? What does the church need, especially when we feel threatened or when we are under duress? What is it that we need? That's the question we're working with this morning. And uh, speaking of questions, as you know, it's been a practice. Uh, we pause in a little while for what we're calling, what we call Q&R, question and response. And it's your opportunity to submit a question or to stand where you are. We'll bring a microphone to you and you can ask a question. You can practice speaking out loud by asking a question. Or uh, you can text or email to ask at westviewchurch.ca and we will uh, respond to your questions there. So if you recall, Peter and John were in front of the Sanhedrin and they had this massive um, sort of back and forth. Eventually, they were released and they made their way back to their friends. If you go to Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, verse 23. I'm going to hit the slide there, Ruan. So Acts chapter 4, verse 23. After they were released, they went to their friends, that's Peter and John, and reported what the chief priests and the elders had to say. So they make their way back to their friends, they make their way back to the church, and they start talking to them about, what. okay, so what did they say? You guys were, like, you were arrested, you were put in prison, and then you went and faced this major supreme court, and you were held there, and what did they say? And the lame guy that was born lame and is now healed, he was there too, and what was going on? What did they say? Well, do you remember what they did say? Acts 4.18. They told Peter and John that you're not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Don't speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. It's like they passed a new law. So they're telling their friends, it's like there's a new law now. The new law is don't speak about Jesus. Don't speak in the name of Jesus. Don't teach about Jesus. Don't teach anything in the name of Jesus. There's this new law. It's a censor. They want us to be quiet. Well, that's a problem. I mean, that's a real problem. And and the, the people, their friends, this, this burgeoning church understood, this is, this is a conflict. There's, that's not going to work. Why isn't it going to work? Well, just a few months ago, what did Jesus say before he ascended? What did he tell his disciples? What did he tell his church in Matthew 28, 18 to 20? What did Jesus say to them? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I will be with you. I will be with you, Jesus said, even to the end of the age. 
So they were in a real conflict now. They are in a real conflict and they are under legitimate, literal threat. Our context in 2023 in Calgary is not quite the same. It's not illegal for us to speak in the name of Jesus or to teach in the name of Jesus. And we can say Jesus is the Lord. And yet, it's fascinating to me. This thing developed called lifestyle evangelism. And I like it to a degree. Lifestyle evangelism means that I'm going to live out my faith in such a way that people will notice that I'm a follower of Jesus. The problem with lifestyle evangelism is that it gets to such a point that actually what it is is that we no longer say anything. Because we kind of have this, what, fear? I gave you a list last week uh, from Doug Pollock. The different reasons we find it very difficult to speak. One of which is that for many, we're people pleasers. We want people to like us. We want to be recognized as nice. And there's a whole bunch of sort of these looming threats. Imagine looming threats in Calgary. Our friends from uh, different countries would really speak into our lives about what real threats are. But it's true that people disagree and people get angry and it's true that there are threats. As I was saying, even in this sort of cancel culture, quiet quitting, uh, and I mean, don't dare go into social media and into the comment section of basically anything because you'll see all of the sort of anger and vitriol that's there. And if you haven't heard me say it before, it seems like anger is all the rage. In fact, I think because we have this sort of sense of threat and anger that comes together and it stymies us from actually saying something simple like Jesus is Lord and speaking good gospel, life-giving words into someone's life, the, the, the trend seems to be this, four Ds. We disagree, and when we disagree, there's from disagreement it goes to defensive, and after defensive there's division, and after division is departure. I disagree, I get defensive, there's division and departure, and that's it. So what exactly is it then that followers of Jesus need? How, how do you handle conflict, and how do you handle when you feel threatened? Like, what's your go-to? What are your instincts? Uh, what are you asking for? If you're feeling like a little bit of tension or feeling like a little bit of conflict or maybe you feel like you should say something like Jesus is Lord or, or just share something but you're feeling a little nervous about it or you're feeling threatened about it. Well, maybe, maybe you ask for like, well, you know, just Lord, remove me from the situation or remove the difficulty. Or if someone is being kind of a, a goon or being hostile, Lord, like, you know, shut them up. You know, uh, deliver, deliver me from this or, or, or some reassurance. Lord, reassure me that everything's going to be okay. 
And how do you go about getting help? If you need some help, if you think, I, I need some help with, uh, you know, saying some words, saying Jesus is Lord, is sharing, how do you get help if you need help? Well, I guess it depends what you're looking for. If you uh, are looking for a certain kind of help, like uh, you go to certain uh, lengths, you go to certain uh, ways of, of looking for it, there's a lot of these online sort of help things. You, you call in, you need help with your insurance, you need help with your bank, you need tech help, tech support, and you just get these machines, right? Press one, press two, press five, and you're in this labyrinth of electronic options, and you're hoping, oh, Lord, I hope I get a person. I get to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'd be better off calling my mother because at least she's going to tell me that everything's going to be okay, and she may send me cookies, So what is it that we need as followers of Jesus, as students of Jesus, disciples of Jesus? What do we need when we are under duress, when we are feeling maybe threatened or conflict or so on? What is it that we need? Well, notice what happens with the church. What happens with Peter and John? They get back to the church. Acts chapter 4 verse 24 So, verse 23, after they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And I want you to know, just before I read 24, I want you to notice, I want you to notice what they did is they, they came together. Peter and John knew exactly where they were going to go. They went to their, their congregation, they went to their friends, they went to their church, they came together. And in our contemporary culture, coming together is still sort of countercultural. Because the worldview is that you can make it on your own. It's about individualism, that you'll be okay on your own. But it's simply not true. And especially when you need encouragement, you need strength, you need some help in times of difficulty, alone won't cut it. And the enemy would just love to have you think that you can do life on your own. It's just not true. I hope that we learned that at, during the pandemic. How much we miss being with people. Even introverts. Man, this is too quiet. They came together. So when we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to the body of Christ, the church. You remember a few weeks ago, I talked about my bicycle tires and how they're really great bicycle tires, but they're much more effective when they are a part of the bicycle. When we say yes to the body of Christ, we say yes to the church because it is for our benefit. We need each other. All nations, all ethnicities, we need each other. So they came together, verse 24, and when they heard the report, when they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. So they came together and they prayed. They came together and they made the activity of prayer a priority. This is a key difference of followers of Jesus and just a crowd or a mob. 
followers of Jesus, when we get together, we pray to the Lord Jesus in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray together. In fact, the early church, out of necessity and understanding that Jesus himself prayed regularly, Luke records it so well in the Gospel of Luke, the pattern of prayer for Jesus. So he continues now, and he shows that the early church, as students of Jesus, prayed together. Chapter 1, verse 14, they were constantly in prayer together. And you know what the beauty is? That now we actually hear their prayer. We hear what they pray for. And what is the church after, under all this duress, under threat, under this new law to be quiet and not speak or teach in the name of Jesus? What do they ask for? What do they understand that they need? Verse 24 to 30. When they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and everything in them, it is you who said by the Holy Spirit, through our ancestor David, your servant, why did the Gentiles rage? And the peoples imagined vain things. The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah. For in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What do they ask for? They ask for boldness. Control B. Bold. Boldness. Courage. They ask for courage and boldness. They say, we're going to, you know how we stood in front of the Sanhedrin? Lord, uh, we want to be able to do that more. They ask to be daring, not deliverance, but to be daring. And they have confidence in God. They have confidence that God will act. Their confidence is placed in on God. We're confident, God, that while you give us boldness to speak your words, you're going to stretch out your hand. And what are you going to do? You're going to heal people. We're going to speak words, and you're going to stretch out your hand. You're going to heal people, and you're going to perform miracles and signs, because that's what you do. And they understood they needed boldness. And they understood that that boldness comes from God. It doesn't come from within. They can't muster it up. It comes from the Lord. Confidence in Christ. And it's confidence or boldness specifically to speak the word. That shorthand for the gospel. 
which is shorthand for good news. Confidence to say words that are good news. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is a God who forgives. Jesus is a God who is merciful. Jesus is a God who is right here with you now. You have been created in the image of God. You are loved by God. You are a child of God. You are a brother and sister in Christ. Words. Speak words of the gospel. And what is God's reaction to their prayer? What does God do when this group of people, this young church, what is God's response? Verse 31. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with all boldness. The place that they were gathered in was shaken. It swayed. Could you imagine if this place started to shake? And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Like the worship team saying, just pour out your spirit, pour out your spirit. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke those words, even though a new law had been decreed, and even though they had been released from prison, and they knew they were probably going to go back. God rocked the place. God was pumped. And he poured out his spirit. And he, he granted them their request. He gave them boldness. And he showed up in a mighty way because God was really pleased with that prayer. He was elated and delighted by that kind of prayer. That they would want boldness. Not, oh, get me out of this. Or just reassure me that it's going to be okay. But this boldness to align themselves with Jesus no matter what. And God was so pleased that he rocked the place and he came and he poured his Holy Spirit on them and they were able to speak gospel and they were able to say, Jesus is Lord, and they were bold. Confidence in God, confidence in Christ. It comes, boldness comes from the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. So then confidence in and confidence from Christ creates courage in crisis. It's five C's. I want you to repeat this with me. Confidence in Christ. That first part. Confidence in Christ. You try it. Creates courage in crisis. Creates courage in crisis. Listen. Keep that there for a second. Listen, when I am feeling threatened or I am feeling a little under duress or something is difficult or I feel a compulsion, the Holy Spirit is, is, is prompting you to say, say something. Start with Jesus as Lord and it's tough and we're gonna, we just got to, I'm, I'm not placing confidence in me. I'm going, you know what? I'm confident in God. I'm confident in God, therefore, I, I'm going to go ahead and say this because my confidence is in Christ and he's giving me this ability that I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say to my co-worker, Jesus is Lord and he's working ahead of you and could you just take a step in faith? 
Try it again. Confidence in Christ. Confidence in Christ creates courage in crisis. See, it's about allegiance. This is why God is so excited, why he's so pleased, why he's so pumped. Because when we ask for boldness to speak the gospel, we are expressing our faithfulness or our allegiance to Jesus Christ. What we are saying is, I am with Jesus, and Jesus is my Lord. And as intimidated as I am, or as timid as I am, or as introverted as I am, the Lord has given me a few words to share with you, and I am with Jesus. See if I can put this on. When you were baptized, Paul describes it as putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we ask for boldness, what we are saying is, Lord, even in this difficult situation, even though I don't know what to say or what to do, I don't want out of it. I want the courage in the midst of it. I am with you. Because, friends, our faith, our faithfulness, our allegiance to Jesus is forged through conflict and difficulty. Our faithfulness and allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ is especially tested and forged and made stronger in the midst of a difficult situation. So we need to look at these difficult situations differently. Conflict and difficulty is not the end. It's the beginning of a welding point of our relationship and our ability to demonstrate our loyalty to Jesus and to demonstrate that He is actually Lord of my life. There is only one source of this kind of boldness or courage. And that is, from the Father, in the name of Jesus, it is the power of the Holy Spirit. Because, friends, whatever challenge you're in, whatever difficulty you face, the courage and boldness you need necessarily needs to be far superior than any circumstance and there is only one who is far superior to any and every circumstance. And that is the, the person that they pray to as well. Sovereign Lord, the maker of heaven and earth and the sea. They got it. Psalm 121, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He is the only one who can truly give us the boldness and the courage that we need to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. And it isn't that the Lord is as pleased because he needs buddies or he needs accolades or that he has like a, a tender eagle. He is pleased when his followers are bold and proclaim Jesus is Lord because of the prospect of goodness which can flow out of that kind of a proclamation. 
Because there is so much garbage. There is so much hate and vitriol. There is so much uh, 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 violence and all of that. But he knows that if we are bold and we stand our ground for the gospel, for good news, then the prospect of goodness will follow and come to fruition, both for the people that hear words of life and for those that participate with the Son of God, Jesus, in the proclamation and the description of the way the world really is. Here is our problem, though, with the idea of boldness or courage. We misunderstand what boldness or courage is. We have taken a definition from the world in terms of what is boldness and courage. Even Joshua misunderstood what bold and courage was about. If you recall in the beginning of the book of Joshua, those opening lines, be strong and courageous. If I asked you what you thought of when, when, when I say the word strong and courageous, we probably have like Marvel and uh, all these different superheroes and, and, you know, spandex and capes and tights and big muscles and, and actors that work out and all this testosterone and blah, 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 and all of that. That's our concept, but that was the concept, a human concept of what it meant to be strong and courageous way back in Joshua's day, and it remains that way today. We misunderstand what boldness encourages, because just after those verses in Joshua, be strong and courageous, then the next verse is Joshua 1.8 where it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. But only remember, be strong and courageous. What does it mean then to be strong and bold and courageous? Our, our model comes from Jesus himself. It isn't punching. It isn't big muscles. It isn't, we have to discern exactly the difference between the world and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That dichotomy. Remember what they were doing. They were threatening. There was violence. There was incarceration. That's the world's view and approach to bold and strong. Jesus speaks words of life. And they're confident that Jesus is going to heal. They're confident that when we speak gospel, Jesus heals. Heals somebody of their anger. Heals somebody of their anxiety. Heals somebody of their shame and their guilt in the name of Jesus. And healing takes place. Our politics is that Jesus is Lord. Our politics is that we pray. And the way we live in community. And our emphasis is on relationships and building relationships and caring for one another and seeing each person as created in the image of God. And then when we speak, we speak good news. Jesus is Lord. We speak words that give life and are true and meaningful. Jesus is Lord and he has forgiven all that there is to forgive when he went to the cross including your shame and your guilt. And he wants to take it away from you and free you from carrying that for the rest of your life. Jesus is Lord. Will you take a step to him and believe him? And he will give us life. I want to pause for a Q&R. And maybe, could I get my bottle of water there? I'm still discovering the dryness of Calgary. 
Thank you, Kimberly. If you have a question, you can stand where you are. We'll bring a microphone to you or text or email um, to, to ask at westviewchurch.ca and we'll take your questions. I don't know, is this glaring on the uh, camera there, Kevin? Is it going to have to turn down the whatever? <laughs> don't wear white. But forget it. I, I had a, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Great stuff, Gary. Great challenge this morning. And, and questions are here, so let's talk. Okay. Based upon your own experience, yeah. how did you discern when to speak boldly and to when to live your faith without words? Yeah. That's good. So based on my personal experience. So I definitely, um, I definitely try to um, uh, live in such a way, like mentally that I'm, you know, people have these bumper stickers, fish or Jesus or t-shirts or chains or crosses and stuff like that. And, and that's kind of nice. But I try to mentally live in such a way that, that if people look at me or they're going to get into a conversation with me, that my life is consistent with what I'm professing. So I definitely try to do that. And one of my emphasis is to get to know people, to open up conversation. It's relationship. So part of, uh, so whether that's on my hockey team or whether that's with my neighbors, I believe that it's out of relationship that conversation, uh, a meaningful conversation can happen. And so as a first step for me, getting to know my neighbors, so what I uh, I mean, just very practically, using my phone, what I did is I started making a, a list of my neighbors and their names, and then I started, I'd have a conversation with them, get to know what their interests and habits and so on were, so that I had a, a rapport. But then from there, it can come to, if a, a conversation opens, my relative, my, my dad is in the hospital. Door opens. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Would it be all right if I prayed for your dad? One of my neighbors, this is a real story. He, he was driving by, was just at the bottom of my driveway, was in his vehicle, shared that with me. I asked him if I could do that. He said yes. And I could see on his face he was getting a bit emotional. I said, could I pray with you? Yes, you can. He's not going to church. I don't know what his faith background is. I'm not trying to create an argument. I'm, I'm looking for an opportunity, very literally, to begin to just describe, listen, Jesus is Lord. He's, I believe he's with your dad in the hospital room right now. And this is just mind-boggling to my neighbor who isn't really a follower of Christ, isn't a church going. He's like, what? God is there? Yes. Where else would, like, you know? And he cares. He cares about you, and he cares what's going, going on in your life. And so it's out of relationship, out of presence. But you will have other times when you're at work where you will sense, you will sense, and you probably have sensed where there's an opportunity in a, a circumstance where, you know, the Lord is feeling like I should say something. And that's a moment where you have to discern, am I, Lord, give me boldness, give me wisdom to use the right words. And I want to just continue to tell you Discern the dichotomy between violence and vitriol and put down and all of that with what God is up to. And the first words are a description of Jesus is Lord and what he wants to do in our lives. 
And you'll see in the media, even now, if you're reading on the news about different circumstances where some people are trying to say, you know, this is what I believe, and so um, I, you know, I, I can't go ahead and participate with what you're saying I need to participate with. And what you need to discern there is, listen, who is defining what something means? Because the world is going to try and define what everything means. But we have to define what following Jesus looks like and being a student of Jesus. And what does, what does it mean for me? What does it mean based on Scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit? So I hope that helps a bit. I, I can go on. but I know you can. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that nice. Dead yeah. <laughs> one pastor to the other. That's all good. Absolutely. Um, if you're here and you set this question, maybe you can give me a little bit more context here. I don't want to put you on the spot. But the question is simply, how do you ask boldly? And, and so maybe take it, or yeah, if that's, that's you, good. contact yeah, me. How do you, how ask, do you boldly? ask boldly? Yeah, I love that. I love that question. I think, I remember a, a, a pastor mentor of mine many years ago. He was praying, and he, he said, Lord, we come it still gets me, but he said, Lord, we come boldly before your throne of grace. See, I think that when boldly, asking boldly, asking the Lord boldly means acknowledging, I absolutely need courage. Did Daniel pray for courage before they tossed him to the lions, literally? You know, Moses lacked courage. He had all kinds of excuses. Well, I don't know what to say. I'm not the speaking guy. So I think we can come and acknowledge absolutely boldly to the throne of grace and say, Lord Jesus, I need courage. I need help. I need words from you. Absolutely. And I'm asking you. I'm just pleading with you. And I think... If we know anything now, we can see that when, that, and when the church prays like that, I mean, what we understand is that God literally rocks the house. I mean, He's really pleased about that. Like, if, if we care whether God is pleased or not, like, that's kind of an assumption. An assumption is that we really like it when God is pleased. But if we really want God's pleasure to pour out on us, then we pray to Him and we ask for boldness. And I don't know what happens to these mason bricks. But could it be that He rocks the place? Yeah, that's yeah. good. Questions from... Yeah. How do you deal with discouragement? It seems like every time I share faith, like I step out and do try. Um... And it feels like it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, thank you for that question. Thank you for that question. And, and um, kudos to you, dude, um, for, for stepping out, standing up and asking the question, and for stepping out and sharing your faith. Um, I, I, I feel in a similar way as a, a pastor and a preacher sometimes. Um, my previous church, uh, before moving here, was on Main Street. And we had a lot of people drop in off of Main Street and off of the street um, in all kinds of shapes. And, you know, we, in fact, we set up a quiet room. We set up all kinds of stuff for um, people that were or drunk or high or all that kind of stuff. And we ministered to people a lot. And there were times when we were like, you know, five years later, dude is still dropping in. It doesn't seem to have any difference. 
And, and sometimes it, it didn't. Oftentimes it didn't. And, and this is where, again, I, I place my confidence in Christ. That what we're called to do is have relationship and, and just, like, plant good seeds. That's all the Lord is asking. Plant good seeds. The Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit does. And so, at the end of it, you know, I talked to a missionary. She'd been up in a remote part of Mexico for, for many years doing a Bible translation, and she felt like, you know, the mission organization kept asking about number of converts, and she's up in this obscure part of Mexico translating this Bible, and she's like, well, I don't really have stats on number of converts. When Kimberly and I were visiting with her, we saw how many conversations she had about Jesus in this really Sapotec uh, uh, language. I said to her after, I said, Grace, what you need to do is tell your missionary agency how many conversations you've had. How many opportunities you had just to talk about Jesus as Lord. So I love that question, and I want you to be encouraged that you plant seeds, you plant good seeds. Every one of you, we don't know. I think we're going to be surprised, though, when we get to heaven at how many people will be there. We go, dude, what? And they'll be looking at me going, dude, right? What? I thought you were such a jerk when you were in high school. I, I was. No, I was. Yeah. Thank you. That's good. Thanks, That's Gary. good. Yeah. Music team, why don't you come up? I want to I finish this sermon series on body language. Um, it's, it's a double sort of entendre with the church as the body of Christ. And what is our language? We communicate. How do we live and communicate? So I want to finish with the sort of the ABCs. Um, uh, and I'm going to walk down here, Kevin, so if you want to jump up and adjust the camera there, I'm trying to um, get used to, I used to do this in my previous church a lot, and they got used to it. At first, there was some fear in people's faces. But I like this because we're having a conversation, and it has to be real. It has to be this close. And I want us to just think about the ABCs of boldness. A is acknowledge. We acknowledge that we need courage. Every one of us, whether you are 15 or 50 or 80. So we acknowledge. And then we bow. We pray. Because that's our politics. Because Jesus is Lord. So we pray. That's what we do. We acknowledge we bow and we pray, and then we, we collect courage. We collect it. We collect it. As a follower of Jesus, we collect it. And that enables us to speak the gospel, to say, Jesus is Lord, and oh, how he loves you. Would you take a step in his direction? Amen. All right, church. Let's stand and close our service by declaring as we started our service, why should I fear? You made the heavens. In this world we will have trouble, but he has overcome the world. Let's sing you shine to close.